0: and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then I'm gonna invite uh, Brother Eddie up to uh, speak to us this morning and that uh, he would share what the Lord's laid on his heart. Father, we thank you for the song that we have just sung. We're certainly reminded that we need you each and every hour. So Lord, I pray in the quietness and the stillness of this moment, God, that you would reflect on the songs that we just sang and that you would be pleased with our singing and our worship. Lord, I pray that you would be with us, God, as a people, that we might represent you well today, that we would represent you well throughout the coming week. And Lord, as we've lifted up the the prayer requests, certainly, Lord, you have heard them, you have known them before we even uttered them because of your greatness, because of your Of your goodness and mercy lord we know that you have heard these requests and certainly lord we trust and believe that you will answer according to your will in each and every situation lord give us the grace to understand things that we don't and lord give us the stamina and the strength to continue to walk to run and to soar as we discussed last week lord i pray that you would uh, continue to watch over brother eddie and miss sarah and um and the miss rita and the ministry that you have given them there in the virgin islands and saint thomas and lord that uh, that they would both feel your presence today god that they would be reminded of how much we love them and how much we appreciate their faithfulness lord i pray that you'll use your word to speak to hearts and lives today and god that you'll flow through brother eddie in a very mighty way lord we'll be careful to give you the praise for all that you'll do, Lord, we look for folks to be saved, we look for lives to be changed, and Lord, we believe that you're able to do this. And so, Lord, we pray this in the precious and powerful name of your son, Jesus, with great anticipation of what you'll do, and for his sake, amen and amen. Would you all welcome Eddie Arendelle one more time as he comes this morning.
1: Well, hello, Battlefield. Good to be with you, and we praise the Lord for the love that you have shown uh, to us. Truly, God is good. I want to start off uh, today by just uh, beginning with a testimony. Uh, I got saved as a young child. I believe I was about nine years old, and so did Rita. Wave your hand there, Rita. Praise the Lord. Uh, We got saved as children And we got saved as a result of the work of missionaries. And so I came to Virginia in the early 80s to attend Bible college and didn't go back. And so um, there was not a need at the time to go back. And um, we thought about it. We prayed about it a couple of times, uh, but never did until 2018 uh, we transitioned back to the Virgin Islands to help out the work. And the motivating factor there is uh, we determined that most of the pastors in the area were 60 years or older and there are not enough young people in the pipeline to pick up where they uh, left off when, when they would retire um, and so God burdened us to go and help out a little bit to win some children, to win some young people uh, to the Lord and, and see if we can disciple them and, and train them and, and get them involved in ministry and, and exposure. And uh, Rita and I have been in ministries all our lives. Uh, we started off by first by being faithful. Do you realize that when you're faithful to God and faithful to the church, that that is engaging in ministry? because that's where the Spirit of God works, that's where he speaks, that's where he moves, that's where he convicts, and that's where he calls. And and we we were faithful to God, we we got involved teaching Sunday school classes, and and working in camps, and and then God led us to to start the church in Woodbridge, and now we are in the Virgin Islands, just serving God in many ways, in many uh, capacities. But thank you so much for your faithful support. Thank you for your love. Continue to pray for the work in the Virgin Islands and throughout the entire uh, Caribbean region. God is good, and he's up to something good. And it's always good to be a part of what God is uh, involved in. Today, if you would join me, please, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, And we're going to focus our attention this morning on verses 35 and verse 36. Verse 35 and verse 36. God is great. He has been moving and working. And let's read these two portions of Scripture, these two verses. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 35. The Bible says... Verse 35, and Jesus went about all cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, that is, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted And was scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Today I would like to preach a message entitled, Looking Through His Eyes. Looking Through His Eyes. Father, we ask God that you would move in our lives in a special way here today. We pray God that you would bless. Lord, we pray God that you would cause us to see what you have seen. We pray, God, that you would call and, Lord, that we would respond. So, Lord, have your way in our midst today. Speak, convict, encourage, open eyes, open hearts. And, Lord, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. And it is in your wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen. Looking through his eyes. In verse number uh, 35, and in fact, in the entire chapter, let's do a little uh, contextual analysis so we can get a background of what was happening. In uh, chapter 9, the first part of chapter 9, verse number 1 to 8, we saw where Jesus healed a paralyzed man. This is indicative of the needs of the people and that they needed God. They needed to, uh, Jesus to save them, to heal them, to empower them. And here we see in verse number 1 uh, to verse number 8 how that Jesus healed the paralyzed man. Then in verse number uh, 18 to 19 of chapter 9, we see how that Jesus healed the leader's daughter that had died uh, while Jesus was doing ministry and he was preaching and he was teaching and he was traveling about the place. Uh, This leader's uh, daughter died. How tragic. But it happens. And we experience the same thing. Also in chapter 9, verse 20 to 22, we see how that Jesus healed a woman that had an issue uh, with the blood. and She had a problem. She had a situation. But Jesus being compassionate and Jesus being concerned, he went and he healed. But this was only indicative of the power that Jesus had because Jesus can do more than healing the body. He can hold, heal the soul. We see how in verse 23 to verse 26 of chapter 9 that eventually Jesus healed uh, the daughter. He, he, he raised her from the dead. Again, this was the highlight. Jesus ultimate power that he's all powerful and that he had power not only to heal but to raise from the dead. Yeah. One day we will die. The Bible tells us all in Christ will be raised together with him and we shall be translated and we shall go up to to the heavens with Jesus and so we will be with him forever and ever. But there are a lot of people that have not met him yet. There's a lot of people that have not experienced God's saving grace and that's where you and I, that's where we come in and taking the gospel and sharing the gospel. We see in chapter 9, verse 27 to verse 30 that Jesus healed the blind men, opened their eyes that they can see. But this was again indicative of the spiritual side which they needed, the spiritual side that humanity needs. And we are blessed that God has called us, not just me, but everyone here at Battlefield. We are blessed to take the gospel to those who have never heard And there is a tremendous blessing for us. And then in chapter 9, verse 32 to 34, we see how that Jesus cast out demons. You see, the devil and demons, he pesters us. He harasses us. he, He wants us to not serve God. He wants us to not be a witness. He wants us to be idle, doing nothing. And here we see how that Jesus had ultimate power even over the demons. What a mighty God we serve. So we now come to verse number 35, chapter 9, verse number 35. And watch this. We begin in verse 35, and it says, And Jesus went about all the cities. Notice, all the cities. These were the popular places. The popular places were the epicenter of activity and action. The popular places were the hub of commerce and trade. The popular places were the gathering point for arts and drama and more. So Jesus went where the people gathered. He was a man on a mission. And Jesus went about all the cities, but watch this, and the villages, these were the poor places, and in the poor places, on the countryside, there was a simplicity of life, a simpler way of living, but yet Jesus went to where they were, the poor places. Focus more on family and farming. But Jesus was concerned about them. And he went to poor places. were, were, Were stronger. They had a stronger connection with family. And Jesus went to reach them. By the way, wherever we were when we got saved, Jesus came and saved us. And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues. These are the public places. And in the public places, get this mic going here, getting too excited and knocking it off here. And <laughs> the public places, there was a synagogue where there was a devotion to God and and there was a focus on prayer and there was a definite commitment to the scriptures, but yet Jesus went there because of the Old Testament. There were people who were in the habit of going to these synagogues but didn't know Jesus. Do you know that today that there are a lot of people that go to church and they read the word and, and they pray. They might even get involved with church activities but they don't know Jesus. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and and watches preaching the gospel of the kingdom. This is the proclamation of the gospel. And so Jesus went to all these places preaching the word, preaching the gospel, really preaching himself. And many responded. And when you search history, you will find that for the ages, even after the time of Christ and after the time of the apostles, many preachers and teachers and and evangelists and missionaries are all over the world preaching the word, preaching the gospel. And yet Jesus is still saving people. What a mighty God we serve. And so this brings us to verse number 36. And so from verse 36, we would like to consider three areas that Jesus saw that we should see. I use this illustration because it was one time a family in the church uh, sent us on a cruise. And we were out in the middle of nowhere but water and we were watching ice sculpting, and I was focused in so much on that, and Rita was there, and she was looking at the ice sculpting, and she was looking at the people, and she was looking at this, she was looking at that, she was looking way out in the darkness, and in the process of looking out in the darkness, she saw a shooting star, it was bright, she said, it was brilliant, and she said, look, look, the shooting star, and I said, what, where, I don't see it. In other words, I should have seen what she saw, but I didn't. What I'm saying is this. We should see what Jesus saw, but often we don't. Often we don't. And so then we come here, the first thing that Jesus saw that we should see is this. Number one, Jesus saw the spiritual condition of the people. So we read in in the first part of verse number 36, but when he saw the multitude, let's stop right there for a minute, when Jesus saw the multitude. But what did he see in the multitude? First, he saw that the multitude is lost. Lost! Without him. Without a saving knowledge of his grace and his mercy and his love. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3 in verse number 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All! He goes on to say in chapter 6 in verse 23 of Romans, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, uh, our Lord. And so what Jesus saw was a multitude, but he saw that the multitude was lost. Do you see that the multitude is lost? We have a lot of people in the world. Statistics tells us that most of them have never heard of Jesus Christ. But Jesus, he saw that the multitude is lost. But when he saw the multitude, number two here, he saw that without him, the multitude would be sent to a place called hell. That those who die without Jesus, that is, those who die without believing the gospel and receiving him and getting forgiveness of sin, when they die, they will go to a place called hell. The Bible tells us in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man, that is Jesus, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save. By the way, we use that word save too casually without really understanding what it means. So when it says here that for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. What are we being saved from? Trouble? Not necessarily. Problems? Not necessarily. But when he says that we are, By the way, when we say that we are saved. What are we saying? We are saying that we are saved from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin? Cast into hell. Separation from God. And so when Jesus looked at the multitude, he saw that they would be sent to a place called hell. Also, number three, uh, that without him, they would be cast into the lake of fire. This is serious business. We read in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 15, uh, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Look at that word cast. It literally means to cast away, to toss out, like when we have trash and trash time is coming. We toss it, we throw it away, we cast it out. And whosoever was not found written in in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's a serious business. This is what Jesus saw. But do you see that? Do we see that? And I'm always asking myself, do I see that? You know, sometimes we think that pastors, um, they're always in tune. Missionaries, we're always in tune. There are times when we lose focus. And we have to commit and, and recommit and we have to see God's face. And, and there are times when we have to pray and, 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 and cut out of our scheduled times to pray and fast and, and, and seek God's face and, and his will in our lives. We ought to do that from the pastor all the way down. Because that's where the power of God comes in. What else did Jesus see here in this clause? He saw that without him, The multitude would be eternally separated from the Father. And we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Who shall be punished? Watch this, watch this. You you have to get these things. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of God? and from the glory of his power. Do you know that there's something worse than dying? (laughs) Did you know there's something worse than being cast into hell? Do you know that there is something worse than being cast into the lake of fire? It is being eternally separated from God with no chance to be saved, with no hope, and with no future. And people who have not heard and received and believed the gospel will be eternally separated from God. That is, when they are in hell, in the lake of fire, for a gazillion years. Reflecting and saying, what am I doing here? I stood before the presence of God at the great white throne judgment. I saw his holiness. I saw his glory. I saw his splendor. Mercy, Lord. Mercy. Save me now. Now it's too late. Too late. Too late shall be the cry for many. And so Jesus saw the spiritual condition of the people. We too should see the spiritual condition of the people. But watch this. Number two, the second thing that Jesus saw, not only Jesus saw the spiritual condition of the people, but number two, Jesus, what Jesus saw affected him. What he saw affected him. Many years ago, Rita and I went to St. Martin for a vacation, and I was at my brother's house. And from his house, we can look over across the distance and saw approximately where we lived. And we saw a fire. I mean, it was a huge fire. I mean, it, it went high. It lit up the sky with a bright red-orange. And so we got, became concerned, and, and we jumped in the car, uh, my brother and, and, and Rita and whoever else were there, and we got to our house, and, and fortunately and prayerfully, our house was safe, and everybody in our house was safe, but the neighbor's house was on fire. This one lady worked two jobs, By the way, a lot of people in the islands work two and three jobs just to make ends meet. Yes, it is a tourist destination. The tourists come and they enjoy the beaches and the hotels and the niceties of the islands, but they have no idea how people struggle. And so this lady worked a job in the daytime and in the nighttime, she had a part-time job at the hotel and she didn't have someone to watch her children. She couldn't afford a babysitter, so she left her kids in the house. There was no electricity. Well, there is electricity there, but she couldn't afford electricity, so she was burning candles. And while the little boys were asleep, it was windy, no A.C., no power, no A.C. equals hot And the wind blew the curtains and blew the candles over at least one of them and it caught fire. Neighbors called 911 rescuers came and by the time they got there and to pull the little boy out and pulled all of them out they determined that the boy was dead. He had burned alive in the fire. And all night, I kid you not, all night, night, that lady cried. And I'm not talking about just a crying. I'm not talking about a sobbing crying either. I'm talking about a loud yelling, screeching, cry all night. So much so we couldn't sleep. Knowing what happened and feeling her pain. What I'm saying here is this. If we don't do what we have to do, if we don't allow the condition of people and their future condition to affect us, people will continue to die and go to hell. And so what Jesus saw affected him. The second part uh, uh, of this verse, but when he saw the multitude, watch this, (laughs) this is good, he was moved with compassion on them. In other words, what we see in our life, what we see in our neighborhoods, what we see in our country, what we see in in, in this world that's going on, all of the evil, all of the wickedness, all of the ungodly, the condition of the people, it should move us with compassion to do something about it. But let me ask you a provocative question. You can take this question home and Chew on it for lunch, just a little bit. Why was he moved with compassion on them? Because he knew the fatality of their sin. See that? Jesus knew that sin is fatal from the time Adam and Eve uh, sinned. They were separated from God, which is spiritual death. And after they died spiritually, they began the process of dying physically. And that's why we die today. And when Jesus saw that, he understood that when people die without him, It was a serious problem. Why was he moved with compassion? Not only because he knew the fatality of their sin, but because he knew the finality of their situation. When a person dies, the Bible says that in the grave, there is no repentance that should resonate in our hearts, in our minds. Those of us that know Jesus and those of us that are saved, we should be moved like Jesus was moved with compassion. How should we be moved with compassion? There's a lot of ways that we can be moved with compassion. Let me give you a couple uh, uh, examples here. How can we be moved with compassion? Lord, use me to win somebody to Jesus. We can pray and pray and and not only pray for those who are lost, not only pray for those that are in need of Jesus, but we need to pray that we be sent. By the way, you don't have to go to Africa or Asia or South America or some foreign country. The United States is a huge mission field. Let's go to this one here. But what did Jesus teach about compassion? Do you know that a lot of things can be taught by what we say? Not only by what we say, but by what we do. And how we react. And how we respond. But what did Jesus teach about compassion? First of all, Jesus taught us How to look at a crowd. How to look at a crowd. How do you look at a crowd? I use this illustration. The year was 1976. I don't even remember how old I was in 1976. 14, 15, somewhere around there. Went to a visit to New York City. And we went up on what was the World Trade Center. You're talking about crowds from a high. I kind of felt how God was high in the heavens, looking down upon humanity. And as I was way up there, I was looking down, and people looked like ants, just crawling all over the place. There were so many people, and the first thing that popped in my mind: Oh Lord, how many of those people are saved? That's what Jesus saw in the multitude. Only different—he knew. How to look at a crowd, we need to look at the crowd and see if they know Jesus. Next question is here. What did Jesus teach about compassion? How to feel. He taught us how to feel. That is, when you see someone that is hungry, when you see someone that has need of food, we need to help and feed them if we can. Some people can go to those places, but others can give. Those who can't go and those who can't give can pray, but we all can get involved somehow. Here's the reason. My dad always used to say, an empty bag can't stand up. You go to um, Walmart, um, Target, you buy some stuff in those plastic bags, and and you put it down right here, it will stand up because of the things on the inside of it. You take all those things out, and you put that bag right there, you know what's going to (laughs) happen? What I'm saying is this. There are so many children across the world that are starving, and you or I, no one can get their attention unless they get some food, and their mental faculties are functioning right, and then they can see you, and hear you, and feel you, and understand what you're saying. And the numbers of children dying of starvation is staggering. But Jesus taught us how to feel. Not only Jesus taught us how to look at a crowd and how to feel, but the question, here, here, here is the deal. What do we do with such a feeling? Simple. Go. Go do something. I have a friend of mine's who uh, worked for the federal government, and he always used to say, I had a boss, and he always used to say, do something. If you're working on a project, and you're the manager of that project, and you don't quite understand what's happening, do something. And we have God to empower us. To lead us. Remember the disciples. They were powerless. And God knew that. And Jesus said unto them, go over in Jerusalem and go to the upper room. And and just wait there for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come. And the Holy Spirit will empower you. And then you shall be witnesses. What excuse do we have? Number three. Number three. Quickly here. What Jesus saw concerned him. What Jesus saw concerned him. That is, the multitude was being led astray. We go to the second part of verse 36. Because they were confused. That is... The people were burdened down with religious rites and traditions. Well, this is the way that you get to heaven. You need to keep the Ten Commandments. You need to do good. You need to do this, and you need to do that. You need to work for me. You need to serve me. Nonsense. We need Bible preachers and Bible pastors and Bible missionaries who will go and present Jesus and teach people to believe in him. By faith. Ephesians say, by grace are you saved. Through faith, not of yourselves, not not of works, lest any man should boast. And we need more people to go across the world and, and to teach these children. Also, by the way, statistics show that only a small percentage of people get saved after they pass a certain age. We need to get these children while they're young. Because they were confused, but watch this, underline this word, helpless. Because they were confused and helpless. The people were tired and weary of being neglected spiritually. You ought to praise God you're in this church. This is a church that preaches the word. This is a church where you are loved. And we know that not only because we know your pastor, but when we walked in this door, we felt nothing but love. Sometimes you go into a church and it's just cold, but not so. It's warm, and thank you for that love, and thank you for, for, for that uh, greeting, and the love comes right back at you. It's the love of God, it's the love of God. But the people were neglected. And because they were confused and helpless, they watched this last part right here, like sheep without a shepherd or members of a church without a guide or a teacher or a pastor to teach them and mold them and develop them so that they can love God and serve God and go out and reach others. By the way, When we reach other people with the gospel, they are blessed because they have been exposed to the gospel. And they are doubly blessed if they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because that means they will not go to a place called hell. They will not be cast into the lake of fire. They will not be eternally separated from God. But guess what? When you go and tell whether the person gets saved or not, there is a blessing in there for you. I remember when, when I surrendered my life to the Lord, and this was back in the days when um, there were no cell phones. I couldn't call Mom and say, Mama, I'm going to church with my friend. I went to church with my friend, and, and listen, man, um, I, 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 the, the brother was preaching, and the Holy Spirit was beating me up. I, I felt like I was in the ring with Mike Tyson. But nonetheless, I got home after 10 o'clock that night, and, and I knocked on the door, and, and I opened. I said, Mom, I surrender my life to the Lord. And she said, Who cares? <laughs> she did care, but she was mad because I didn't, <laughs> she didn't know why I was. And she was worried, and she was stressing out. Went to sleep, got up the next day, and she said, Son, Eddie, so tell me what happened last night. And I told her, I surrendered my life to the Lord. Now I was saved as a little boy, but, but after hearing the word again, and, and the Holy Spirit worked upon my life, and, and she came, and she inquired, and she was glad that I surrendered my life to the Lord. And when I went off to Bible college, oh yes, yeah, she had a party. Because I was hanging around with some friends that are not around today. Yeah. Lastly here, like sheep without shepherd, the purpose of a shepherd. The purpose of a shepherd. Let's look at this here quickly. Four things to pull out. The purpose of a shepherd is to protect the sheep from the ravenous wolves. And if you can picture with me a pasture, huge, some rocks maybe, a few scattered trees, but then there are some trees in the background where the shepherd go and he just sit and drink water and lemonade, I don't know, they might do barbecue too, enough sheep around I guess but when the shepherd sees the wolf coming, he he, he runs and he chases them away he may cast a stone he may take his rod and he might whip them and beat them and defend the sheep, that's what pastors ought to be doing because the wolves are coming after the flock then Jesus say, uh, beware of wolves in sheep clothing. They come with their false teachings. They come with their false doctrine. They sound good initially. They sound good for those who don't know. But their teaching is false. And they come and they terrorize the sheep. That is, they terrorize God's people. Can you see Pastor Cochran running to the door? Cochran running to the door with a stick. Leave my sheep all alone. Well, he doesn't have to use a stick, but by his teaching of the word, that's what he's doing. Not only that, but the sheep is to defend uh, uh, the shepherd is to defend the sheep from ferocious bears. Have you ever been caught in the claws of a bear? Oh, I would say no, because it's not a good place to be. But what is happening is this: that the false teachers, they are coming with the claws of false doctrine. And when the bear has you hooked in there, you're not going anywhere. And too often, when we are caught with the claws of false teaching, it's hard to get away. Yeah. There was a lady in our church many years ago. Um, she was raised by her grandma. Her grandma was Catholic. And we pre- began to show her from the word Salvation and how to get saved and how to know Jesus. And, and, and no, in other words, we, we, we sit down and we spread out the word to her so much so she was convicted. And her response was this. <sighs> You're telling me I've been lied to all these years? I wanted to say yes, but I find a little bit more spiritual way to say it. <laughs> but that's the reality that, that's really what's happening. Two more things right here. Uh, the shepherd needs to guide the sheep to greener pastures where they can get the fresh, lush, tasty grass. Is grass tasty? never tasted it. <laughs> <laughs> but the job of the shepherd is to lead the sheep to, to a place where they can get grass and, and be fed and be nourished. And the job of the pastor and missionaries and, and Bible teachers is to teach God's people so they they can learn and grow and be nourished and by the way every believer that is taught in the word will serve God some people serve God more than others some people serve in one way or another way but listen do you realize that I, I seen some of the men yesterday cleaning the church do you know that serving God from the pastor all the way down to whoever, when you are committed to the church of Jesus Christ, when you're committed to God, whatever you do for his honor and for his glory, when you stand before him, you will reap at the judgment seat of Christ. My charge and my challenge to you is this, keep on serving him. And then lastly here, the job of the shepherd is to lead the sheep to still waters, not the raging rapids. The sheep goes by the raging rapids and and put the two front feet in the water and put the heads down to to, to get some water. The the water might perhaps wash them downstream, but the shepherd would, would lead the sheep. No, not over there. There's a huge waterfall over here. If you go that way, you're gonna get washed downstream. Come over here and I would lead you over here. And where you can drink and enjoy and live. But too often when pastors preach and teach, sometimes people that don't want to be led, Mm -hmm. we leave that one alone. (laughs) Let me wrap up with this right here. Looking through his eyes, what Jesus saw. What Jesus saw was this, he saw the multitude, from Afghanistan to Argentina, from Belarus to Bangladesh, from Cambodia to Cameroon, from the Dominican Republic to Denmark, from Egypt to Ecuador, from France to Fiji, from Guatemala to Ghana, from Hungary to Haiti, from Iran to India. From Jamaica to Japan, from Kazakhstan to Kenya, from Laos to Lebanon, from Madagascar to Malaysia, and yes, from the United States to Ukraine. Pastor.
0: Fact, we probably need him to preach about another hour. Amen. I got it. Thank you. What a timely message and a reminder as we, I will tell you, we're sitting here on July the 17th, but I could think of no greater way than to consider what Jesus saw and how it impacted him and. What he was trying to teach his disciples then, he is still trying to teach his disciples today. And that's to see what he saw. And as we prepare our hearts, we begin to prepare our hearts. You'll be receiving a letter here shortly from me. As I always do in the summer months, I send out a letter in advance of what we dub around here Missions Revival. And certainly I'm well aware that we call it Missions Revival, but only God brings revival. And so I ask, as I send out the letter, and even now as I mention it, that you would begin to pray, that God would open up our eyes, that we might see as he sees. remember years ago, we used to do displays, missions displays, and build monstrosities, 25 by 25 foot quadrants and and this when we had the old hotel, each of the children's Sunday school rooms were built to, to replicate either a, a, a theme or a country. I remember one year that uh, my wife and I, this was before I retired from military, and went to Bible college, we were leading the young marrieds class and Ron and Letitia Brooks were helping us as assistants, and the Lord had blessed. And I remember I asked one of our young men who had the ability to do art, a young man by the name of Dave Wolfrey, I asked him to paint an eight-foot-by-eight-foot portrait of what, unfortunately, fortunately, whatever we have come to, uh, you know, it's that, that typical picture of Jesus. I believe we're all going to be wide-eyed when we see Jesus. He's not going to look like the model that we think. But our display that year was not a country. It was a theme. We literally put that eight-by-eight picture up, and we angled it like this. Some of you are shaking your head. You remember it. And everywhere you went in the gymnasium, you could not escape the eyes of Jesus. The way that he had painted that portrait, you remember? The way that he had painted it, and God had gifted him with that ability. Everywhere you walked in the gymnasium, when you went, if you went over to visit this country, or you went over to go through this display or this display, everywhere you went, you turned around, and Jesus was looking at you. And hence the title of our display was, Can You See What Jesus Sees? The message today is just as true as it's ever been he loves you jesus loves you maybe you're here today and you've never heard that before can i tell you that he loves you yes we could talk about he's a god of justice he's a god of of holiness and on and on and certainly men we ought to be holy because he is holy the scripture says be ye holy as he is holy But it all begins all the way back before the foundation of the world. God knew. We can talk about his knowledge, his foreknowledge, and and on and on. And we can debate those things till we get tired ourselves. But the reality is, yes, he knew who would trust him. But he sent his son to die on a cross for your sin and for my sin. And for the sins of the world, for all who shall call upon the name of the Lord, Scripture says, shall be saved. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you're watching online and you've never trusted Christ, could I encourage you? The message is very clear. When Jesus looked and he understood the fatality of their situation, the finality of their situation, and he looked on them as sheep having no shepherd, he was moved with compassion. They fainted and and they were scattered abroad. And and he was trying to teach his disciples what he's trying to remind us today, that somebody must tell them that Jesus loves them and that he died for them so that they could be forgiven of their sin, so that they would never be eternally separated from God, but they, they would enjoy eternal life. If you've never, ever called out upon the name of the Lord, I pray that you'll do it this morning I pray that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you the Word of God has been preached we know faith cometh by hearing and the hearing by the Word of God and so if you've never trusted Christ I pray that you'll do that during this time of invitation if you're here and you're a believer I pray that this has started to stroke a little fire inside of you as we prepare for our missions revival we'll be welcoming missionaries from all around the world during that time. It's a wonderful opportunity to encourage them as I thank you for encouraging the Arendales today. But it's also a time for us to refocus on not only the mission around the world, but the mission right here in Northern Virginia. And as I look around in this room, I'm reminded that there's still room in the end. Look to your left, to your right, there's still room for other people to join us. In this worship service there's still room for people to be saved there's still room for lives to be changed in God's economy and so let's be faithful to tell them the good news the gospel of Jesus Christ would you would you do that with me would you say amen pastor I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best I'm gonna ask God to give me wisdom I'm gonna ask God to give me strength I'm gonna ask God to give me courage to tell somebody that Jesus loves them would you do that I pray that you would. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin our invitation. The altar is open for you to come and praise God, to come and pray to God, to pray with your brother, to pray with your sister. Whatever the need is, I pray that you'll do business with the Lord while he's near. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the messenger that you have brought to us today that has encouraged us but also has challenged us and reminded us to see things just as you see them. And yet, sadly, oftentimes, as he mentioned at the outset of his message, we don't. Lord, help us not to be carried away with everything else that is going on in this world, but to get carried away with you, to set our affection on you and not on things of this earth. God, I pray that you'll move during this time of invitation, that as believers, we'll we'll recommit ourselves, as it were, to you, Will we commit ourselves to share the good news of the gospel with people? God, I pray if there's somebody that doesn't know Christ, that they would give their life today, that they would turn, turn from doing things their own way, recognize their need of a savior, repent and receive Christ as their savior today. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you for what you and you alone are able to do. God, help us to get out of the way while you work. And we'll give you the praise for it all. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake, amen.